With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Adam, I think I speak for Broncos country when I say I think that pretty much sums up how all of Broncos country is feeling right now. Yeah, gross. That the Kansas City Chiefs are going to their first Super Bowl in 50 years and finally won the trophy named after their owner. Gross. Just gross. Okay. All right. We might be doing that throughout the course of the show. It'll because we can't control it. It's at this point. It 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 really is out of our control. It's just. I I think the hardest the hardest part of all of this is the idea that we don't have the same jokes. Right? Isn't it? That's the worst part of all this. Is that the joke, or just just the little the little sort of. I guess in today's parlance, the troll of you've never won. Your team has never won the trophy named after the owner. Uh, it, it's gone now. It's, now they have one eighth of the Lamar Hunt trophies that the Denver Broncos do instead of zero eighths, which is 
still a lot less, but also um, just not as it just doesn't sound as good. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. So, uh, you, you know, you lose there, that. There, you there lose is that. one. There is a joke to be had, though, that they finally caught up to the Chargers. Hey, there you go. There you go. I, see a silver lining. We can always find a, a silver lining in there. And, and so that'll work for us, I guess. I, yeah. Um, it was, it was not fun to watch, uh, by any means, right? It was, it was, it was gross. It was gross is the word I keep coming back to. That's what I think that's what I tweeted out right after the game. Just, just one word, no hashtags, no ats, no, 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 nothing, just gross. And pretty much everybody knew exactly what I was talking about. So that's always nice. Uh, when people just know you, I suppose, and that's what it is. It's gross. It's just gross. It's just gross. But before we get into our typical post-game recap, we actually have a special guest for this podcast since it's Senior Bowl week. It's one of the most crucial for NFL teams and the Broncos to begin the the NFL draft prep, to get to know players, to see players. It's their first real opportunity to dive into some of the prospects they could be targeting. And we had on our, our Jeff Esri, and it was uh, a, a really great discussion that we had with him. And I think listeners will find it useful just because he's going to be at the Senior Bowl. He was there two years ago when the Broncos coached it. And I, I think uh, listeners are going to really find the insight that Jeff has for all of this very useful and insightful. All right, well, we're happy to uh, welcome back Jeff Esri to the Mile High Report Radio podcast. It's been, uh, as far as our female lessons are, listeners are concerned, Jeffrey, it's been too long. So <laughs> the, the, that southern drawl, just ask, uh, just ask Ian's wife, uh, it, it, it draws them in. So this will up our, our downloads, perhaps. Well, glad to help your ratings out anywhere I can, you know, just... It, taking one for the team, anything I can do. <laughs> there we go. Well, speaking of taking one for the team, uh, the reason we're having you on is uh, this is your season, right? This is uh, draft season, postseason stuff, and you are uh, heading to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah, fly out tonight, actually. Um, and so we'll be heading down to uh, Mobile to hit the ground and, you know, got media days and practice and all of that. It's Monday through Thursday. Um, and then, of course, they, you know, they play the game on Saturday. But as far as the NFL is concerned, everybody kind of leaves after Thursday's practices. And nobody really stays for the game because they don't they don't really care enough about it. Um, but it's really the practice and the drills and stuff like that that, um, you know, they're interested in seeing. And so had the opportunity to go down there in 2018 um, when Denver was coaching. And so it was a great experience and um, got some good intel and info on some of the players and I'm kicking myself now that I missed it last year. Um, I just wasn't able to make the schedule work. And Drew Locke was, you know, ended up, that was the time he was there and all of that. So, you know, what could have been, could have had an opportunity to chat with him and all of that. But, you know, Denver ends up selecting him. So um, be good to be, be back down there this year. So now that the Broncos aren't going to be looking for a quarterback throughout the course of the draft and through the college ranks, who are some of the players that you're going to be looking for over that four-day period in Mobile at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, it's really interesting because the last two years of the Senior Bowl, you know, Denver's been kind of in the quarterback market, and so that's where the, a lot of the focus has been. You know, obviously Drew Locke was there last year. 
Um, and so there was a lot of focus placed on him and, and how he was playing. I mean, Daniel Jones was there too at the senior bowl. And then the year before that, you know, Denver was coaching and they had the number um, at that point is the five pick number five pick. And so, um, you know, Baker Mayfield was there. Josh Allen was there. And so it's been kind of quarterback focused the last two years. So this will be fun to get a chance to really, I mean, I'll watch the quarterbacks a little bit and you get a chance to see Jalen Hurd some, um, Justin Herbert will be down there and Jordan Love. And so that'll be good, but I'll be able to put my focus in, you know, really the trench drills is where you can really get some good um, intel on some of the players and then the one-on-one, you know, cornerback and wide receiver drills. And so those are the two main areas that I'll be focusing on because those are the things I think that you can, you know, get the most out of. And it fits with Denver's needs, right? So you have a mass exodus on the defensive line, um, depending on who gets brought back in free agency. And so, you know, D-line's obviously a point of um, focus will be in the offseason. And then the interior offensive line, you know, with Connor McGovern potentially hitting free agency, you know, you don't know if Ronald, Ronald Leary will be back. And so there's potentially two spots there. Um, so, you know, those trench drills with the interior offensive linemen and the, um, you know, the big guys on the defensive side, that'll be something I'll be watching for sure. Um, and then on the, you know, DB and wide receiver side that fits Denver's needs perfectly as well. You know, the, depending on how what happens with Chris Harris, you know. And again, a lot of this is dependent on what happens in free agency and who Denver brings back. But you could be needing one to two corners, and then Denver for sure needs a wide receiver on the other side to pair with Cortland Sutton, um, especially with all the 11 personnel that, you know, new offensive coordinator Pat Shermer will be running. So be watching for a lot of guys around there too. So I've got a piece coming out on, um, on Monday that'll be um, – kind of breaking down all the players. I mean, of course, there's, you know, tons of players. We'll have your eyes open for all of them. But there's some that I think, you know, really could fit Denver. Um, so that you know, there's a couple guys that stand out to me. So, Jeff, who potentially are you uh, looking at for the Broncos as far as, uh, you know, you did a nice job laying out the actual positions, but which players specifically do you think the Broncos should be targeting or at least paying attention to at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, a couple of guys I've got my eyes on on the defensive line. Um, and, you know, it's fun because you go down there and you expect to, you know, be impressed by certain guys. And sometimes that pans out. And then sometimes, you know, other guys just pop out. And um, so be, you know, definitely just keeping my eyes open for who starts to flash. But the two guys that I'll really have my eyes on or is um, Javon Kinlaw from uh, South Carolina uh, on the defensive line. You know, he's a, a massive guy at 6'6, 310. And, you know, is a kind of a game wrecker on the interior was a bit inconsistent at times, but um, you know, some of the stuff he's put on tape and the explosiveness that he has from that really, you know, defensive tackle, he could, he could play the defensive end spot, not edge, but you know, defensive end in Denver's defense um, kind of move him up and down the line. I think he could be a really good fit um, in Denver. Uh, I think he, he works well in a, in a one gap or two gap. Um, and so could, could fit well in, um, Fangio's scheme with his stack and shed ability. And so I'm really excited about him. He's probably one of the, you know, top defensive line talents that'll be at the senior bowl. There's, you know, word that he'll probably go in the top in the first round for sure. Um, and then potentially in the, the top 20, you know, there's some mock drafts came out that had Denver picking him. I forget. I think it was from CBS or somebody um, had one where Denver was actually picking him at number 15. So he's a, he's a guy that's an option for Denver at 15. Um, 
And so it'll be really good to, to get an up close look at him and see how he performs, you know, and, and some of these guys, uh, and I'll get into it on a couple of the other guys is the, the good thing about the senior bowl is, you know, if they played at a smaller school, it's their chance to play against the top competition. Um, well, Ken Law, he plays in the sec and, you know, he's been playing against the top competition, but it'll still, you know, he'll still get to go against some of the best of the best um, in terms of the interior, you know, offensive lineman that potentially he didn't face. Um, in, you know, during his college career. The next guy on the D-line is Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. And he's a maybe a, a bit of a stretch in Denver's scheme, maybe just because he's uh, more of a, a penetrator, like a more of a one-gap um, nose tackle. I, I don't think you can move him around as much as Kinlaw. Um, I think he stays kind of in that nose tackle range. Um, and, you know, you don't want to – you're not going to, I mean, Fangio doesn't really line him up head up over the center anyway. You know, he's going to have him more in the one tech, but you know, he does ask the nose tackle to kind of stack and shed. Um, and so it, it may not be as smooth of a scheme fit, but Gallimore will be a fun one to watch. He's, you know, really disruptive on the interior. And he was a big reason why, you know, the Sooners defense was at least improved um, this past season. Um, he came away with four sacks, six tackles for loss and a couple forced fumbles just playing the nose tackle position um, for the Sooners last year. And so he'll be a, a fun guy to watch on the defensive line. Um, so that's on the defensive line side. Uh, going into the cornerback position, the, the big guy I've got my eye on is Christian Fulton. He'll be similar to um, Ken Law. You know, he's a first-round prospect. Um, he's, you know, being rated as one of the top cornerbacks Um you know, maybe not as, as high as the kid from Ohio State, but he's pretty close. There's some guys that have him actually over um, Akuda from Ohio State. I don't know if I see that, but I think he is a first-round talent. He's another one that could be there at 15 for Denver um, or maybe even a little bit later in the round if Denver wanted to trip it back. Cornerback from LSU. He, um, you know, recency bias may have people down on him. He got picked on a little bit. And um, the national championship game, if you saw that. But, you know, again, that's Clemson. They had some really good receivers and Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, was putting it on the money. And um, he kind of took the brunt of them throwing away from Singletary on the other side. Um, I think I, I think that's the, the right way. Yeah, the, the other um, corner on the LSU side, he's so good. Um, and so – you know, everybody was targeting Christian Fulton, but I, th I still think he's a top prospect. He's a great man-to-man -man cover corner, and so he'll really be able to shine, I think, in the one-on-one -on -one drills. And he'll have a chance to kind of redeem himself a little bit because some of the guys at the Senior Bowl will be those big-bodied receivers, you know, that'll be going for the jump ball. So he'll have a, ch he'll have a chance to, you know, show his what he can do one-on-one -on -one against some of those guys. Uh, moving down to the uh, interior offensive line, You've got uh, the two guys that I'm looking at is Logan Stenberg from Kentucky. And these are, you know, mid, mid round prospects. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU. Uh, he could potentially play guard or center. He's a really smart guy. I was making all the um, line calls for LSU um, and, you know, probably a third round prospect mid uh, you know, day two guy. And then Stenberg potentially is a day two, day three guy. He's, a big mauler, just a nasty demeanor um, on the, you know, Kentucky's kind of a road grader and he, he would need some refinement. Um, he plays high, his technique's not, you know, as refined, uh, but he would be, you know, a project potentially for 
uh, Munchak to to develop, but he's got the demeanor that you want, and um, you know, really just likes to hit guys and finish blocks. So that'll be you know really fun to see him down there in the that the pit drills, um, as it were. And then the two receivers that I'm looking at, you know, you think Denver really needs a guy to complement Sutton's skill set, and so KJ Hill from Ohio State, he's um, he set the Ohio State record for most receptions he came away with almost 200 receptions in his career 20 touchdowns um, I think he was a four-year starter at Ohio State um, just super consistent guy he went uh, 48 straight games uh, with a catch which was um, tied a program record from like the 80s um, it may have been an NCAA record from the 80s but um, just insane production at the college level and um, I think he would be a great, you know, slot fit or a guy to he's more of a chain mover um, and you know does some things after the catch as opposed to, you know, a, a full on burner or deep threat. But I think he could be a good fit in Denver and Shermer's scheme. And then the next guy, he's more of that, you know, uh, top end burner and it really can make things happen in the screen game too. you know, potential to take. He took a couple screens to the house at Arizona State and um, Brandon Ayuk. Um, he'll be a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I think to me, he's the guy I've really got my eye on because I think that's what Denver's looking for is, you know, some adding some speed at that uh, position because a guy like Hill, you know, potentially you have that in Deshaun Hamilton, but you really don't have a guy that can take the top off the defense um, like Ayuk could or to integrate into the screen game with his after the catch ability or, you know, with all the slant flat combos and stuff and double slants that Shermer likes to run, you give him a slant route and, and let him go, you know, 50 yards. And so um, he'll be a fun one to watch for his after the catch ability and, and see what he can do. And then lastly is Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston. And, you know, Denver doesn't necessarily have a need this next year if, you know, Garrett Bowl starts and James comes back healthy. But I think he's a guy that could potentially be one of the top tackles in the class um, in a pretty, you know, decent tackle class. And so I think he could be an opportunity for Denver to, to take a guy that um, could either, you know, fill in if somebody's hurt or, you know, be the replacement, the eventual heir to Garrett Bowles after this next year. Um, so definitely have my eye on him as well. And he's got a, you know, this is a great opportunity for him coming from, you know, Houston and get a chance to play against top competition. And so that'll be really what you're watching for from a guy like him. That was a lot that I threw at you, but that's kind of the, kind of the rundown of the, of the guys that I've got my eye on. That's just the short list. Well, I know I definitely appreciate it because if I watch college football, I would probably be sleeping on the couch all the time. So I definitely appreciate that rundown on who you're looking for and who the Broncos should target. The other big thing about the Senior Bowl is off the field stuff. Interviews, you're, you're, you're allowed to, this is their first time to really get to know who these players are. Is that something that's equally or more important as on the field stuff when you're down there? I think it's just as important and, you know, for the teams, especially, I know, you know, even when Denver was coaching it in 2018, uh, Vance Joseph talked about just the ability to see these guys up close and be able to chat with them and, and stuff is a, is a huge advantage. And it's been interesting because Denver um, over the last two years, they've drafted five guys from the senior bowl. So Drew Locke and Dalton Reisner were there in 2019. And then in 2018, when they coached it, you had, 
Deshaun Hamilton, Isaac Yadam, and um, Troy Fumagalli, who came from the Senior Bowl. And then another one that um, is kind of, was kind of thrown in there was Duke Dawson. Uh, he was coached by Denver in 2018 on the staff, and so they traded for him. You know, obviously when Fangio came in, but you know, Elway and his you know the personnel guys were down there too, so they had a chance to get to know him um, potentially there. And I remember talking to Joe Woods. Uh, down there in 2018 and he was talking about Dawson as a guy who really stuck out so you know Denver's really leveraged the senior bowl and the ability to meet with these guys down here and especially when they were coaching it in 2018 to um, you know really get a handle on these guys and I think it went along with the Broncos philosophical shift in the draft of getting guys who are seniors getting guys who are team captains getting guys who are high character you know work good work ethic great off the field guys and so that's the kind of stuff that you can you know, get a, get a better feel for um, while you're at the senior bowl, because you're watching them work for a week too. They're, you know, they're practicing, they're in the meeting rooms. Um, and for the teams that aren't coaching it, you don't necessarily see all of that, but you get to see how they conduct themselves at a practice, which is a lot better than a 15 minute, you know, speed dating round at the NFL combine and then watching them, you know, run the 40 in their underwear. And so it, it's, I, I feel like the senior bowl environment translates a lot better to what potentially happens week in and week out in the NFL um, and so I think it's a big deal for the NFL teams to be able to be down there and, and check them out. That's awesome. Great insight, Jeff. We really do appreciate it. In fact, we're going to have to have you back on after you're done so that we can get your insight uh, as far as what you saw, guys that maybe stood out to you, maybe some surprises, those kinds of things. But uh, as always, Jeff, just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I'll try to get some um, to also to Ian's point, you know, get some interviews with some players. It's always a fun opportunity when they open it up to, to the media. You know, I know Drew Locke really showed out in the interview uh, stuff last year. And so we'll try to get some quotes from these guys and really get a feel for, for who they are and give the fans some insights into some of these guys that you know access you potentially don't get um, from from other interviews. And so um, looking forward to it. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. We're back. Uh, that gagging isn't... Uh, it's not from Jeff. It's not Jeff's fault. Uh, that was great to have Jeff on. We're not doing uh, it because of that segment either. It was no, great, great segment. segment. Great segment. It's this, it's this reflux from from what happened in the, uh, the AFC Championship game. Uh, it, okay. Uh, all right. I can get it. I can get it together. I think I can get it together. I'm going to try and get it together. We're going to try to be professional. Yeah. We're we'll not try. how we insult or rip on the chiefs, but just in general, try not to 
throw up in our mouths as we do this. Right. I, th- I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, so let's, you know what, let's just, let's just tear the bandaid off. We're, we're going to do our little post game recap here. Uh, and let's start off with the Kansas city chiefs beating the Tennessee Titans 35, 24 in the AFC championship game. Um, not pretty if you were rooting for the Titans, like we were, but uh, you know, I, I guess more than likely the, the better team won. I, I, is that, is that the best way to say that? I don't really, I don't like to call the chiefs the better team at, even if they are. I, even though you knew it was going to happen, it still doesn't make it any less painful. It still feels like you got punched in the nuts. Even if you're a woman and you don't have nuts, it feels like you got punched in the nuts. Yeah. That's what this feels like. It, it even I, I told myself, I knew the chiefs were going to win. It doesn't, it doesn't take that feeling away. And it, it actually got to the point where after they went up, once they got to 28 points, my wife and I actually turned the game off and started watching Dark on Netflix. And I told you about this show. You mentioned it. You mentioned it. Yeah. It, it is a mind trip. Okay. It's like Fight Club and Matrix combined. Okay. It is a mind Only, only in German, show. right? Didn't you tell me it's in German? It's a German show. Okay. And it's funny because you can have it in English and it's like watching a Kung Fu movie. Right. Right. I actually, you know what? I've, I sort of grew up on, on, uh, on subtitled movies. My mom's a, 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 a French and uh, Italian teacher. And so we would watch all those movies and she would never buy the dubbed versions or, or rent the dubbed versions. It was always the, the subtitled versions. Like you, you better learn how to read if you want to know what the heck is going on. So, uh, I always watch those subtitled cause I like to hear the actual actors, but maybe, maybe I'll take you up on that, uh, the, the Kung Fu movie style of it. I, I, I got to get through uh, Westworld. I know I'm behind. Someone's gonna be like, dude, you just started watching Westworld. Yeah. In two days, I finished the first season of it. So um, I, I'm, I'm catching up. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> this is what we would rather talk about. That's right. Than the Chiefs right. going to their first Super Bowl in 50 years. I, Think about that. 50 years since the last time the Chiefs half, were in a Super Bowl. It's half a century. It's half a century. So we weren't alive. I wasn't around. Happily not around for that. So uh, unhappily around for this one. Uh, I, I guess we, we could talk a little bit about the game. I, I think that the the key here, we'll go ahead and just let's let's do it. The key to, to the Chiefs winning was their ability to contain Derrick Henry. And they they did. They contained him. They, they got a little lead, right? And once they had the lead, it sort of forced Tennessee's hand. They had to throw the ball more. It took Derrick Henry out of the game and they won. That was that was the recipe. If 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 I was going to tell you what you needed to do to beat the Tennessee Titans, there it is. That's what you need to do. In my mind, it was because the Titans had no pass rush. They had no ability to get after Patrick Mahomes. He was just able to to do what he even if the even when the Titans secondary had good coverage, they couldn't get after him. So they allowed him to get out of the pocket. And at that point, there were breakdowns. So guys like Sammy Watkins or Hardman held whatever his name is the Nicole. non-receiver, the the one who doesn't beat his kid or women. Nicole Hard Nicole Hardman, not Tyreek Hill. So I, I, it, that to me was the reason that the Titans lost this game. They just could not contain or get after Patrick Mahomes. And I think when you look at the the team who they are going to be playing, and everyone at this point knows, at least I would hope, that the 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers and. As we've that old cliche goes, the final score does not 
indicate how much of a blowout it was. Not indicative of how just badly they beat up on the Packers. You're you're absolutely right about that. It's it's exactly like they did to the Vikings. And that's where the huge difference is, is because we were talking about this, the 49ers defensive line and that defense is going to get after Patrick Mahomes. The crap Patrick Mahomes did against the Titans, he's not going to be able to do against that 49ers defensive front. Robert Sala is going to come up with a game plan to get after Patrick Mahomes because that's how you beat him. That's how you beat any quarterback is get pressure, get pressure up the middle and have your guys not go beyond the edge of containment like the Titans consistently did. But in terms of that Titans game, it was totally because Derrick Henry, they took him out of the game by getting a lead and then not allowing him to take over, but also the Titans pass rush. And the other benefit of all of this is at least we don't have to worry about what Mike Vrabel will do with his junk if they win the Super Bowl. Well, he he did say he wasn't going to cut it off. He, he said, I'm not going to do that, which I think is is a, a sad state of affairs that he had to clarify that he wasn't uh, wasn't actually going to do that. Now he doesn't even have to worry about it. He's not going to do it, and that's that's great. I'm glad he's not. That, makes, that should make us all feel good. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you bring up some really good points about San Francisco's defense and what they're capable of doing. And then I think the other aspect of all of that is that San Francisco's offense is really good. Really, really, really good. Really good. And you mentioned this before we started recording, and I, I didn't even think about it. They're not good in one way. Right, they're they're a, an offense that's good in in many ways. A lot of a lot of it has to do with the way that they run the football. And Jimmy Garoppolo is he's a quarterback, I guess he's fine. But they've got guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who Bronco fans know very well. Uh, they got Debo Samuel. They've they've got George Kittle, and they've got a passing attack that's pretty solid. But but they can beat you with the run game, which is what they did to the Packers. Just absolutely destroyed them on the ground to me they're they're so versatile just you know sort of thinking about what you talked about with the the different types of run schemes that they could throw at you they're so versatile on offense I think that's going to be the poison for Kansas City I think the more you look at it and you mentioned um you know the different schemes like I said what do you prepare for if you're the Chiefs and you're looking at at what the the 49ers can do what do you prepare for? Because it's it seems like you have to prepare for everything and then some. And the thing that Kyle Shanahan will do, because I you mentioned the various running schemes that they have. They can do wide zone. They can do power zone. They can do there's there's so many different schemes that they can do from their running game that he'll see what Spagnolo and the defensive line or the front is going to do for the Chiefs and then change his game plan, and they'll do that. The other thing that, that they can do is throw screen passes. So if you start to try to get pressure up the middle with Chris Jones or some of their other defensive tackles or defensive linemen, they'll just start throwing screen passes to Telvin Coleman if he's able to go, but they'll also do it with Mostert. The guy had over 200 yards rushing and four touchdowns. I think he came in his first 31 games or so in the National Football League. He had 211 yards. He had 211 yards against the Packers. So even if you do get pressure on them and you start to slow down their running game, they'll just throw screen passes and they'll, they'll do, they'll, and they'll do end arounds with Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders. 
this is this is the other thing about the 49ers. They have the speed to keep up with the Chiefs, but they can also beat you up. They're a physical team on stop on top of a speed team. So whatever game you want to play, they're able to do it and they're able to beat you. That's what makes them, I think, the favorite, obviously, because I hate the Chiefs. <laughs> But I, I do think it's the case. And as Mike, when I covered the Broncos and Mike Shanahan was the coach, he always talked about the three phases. The 49ers do that. This is the quintessential Mike Shanahan team on steroids because of the running, the, the running scheme that, that Kyle has created. Yeah. I, I think it's actually interesting to look at the, you know, where Kyle Shanahan comes from, right? We know Kyle Shanahan very well as far as, he comes from that Mike Shanahan background. He was he was on the sideline for those back-to-back Super Bowls. He was on the sideline for a long time just coaching with his dad and then going on uh, and coaching with Gary Kubiak in Houston and his time in, in all of these different locations. And I actually, um, you know, I, I had I was listening to uh, Golik and Wingo. I bring this up all the time. I don't listen to them anymore. That's a whole other story. But I was listening to them, and they had Mike Shanahan on, and he was talking about the, the different ways and the different places that Kyle had been uh, with and without him and how many people he'd been able to learn from. And that's a really interesting aspect of this. Kyle Shanahan grew up in the NFL, but he grew up not as a, the son of a player, but as the son of a coach and as someone who knew he was never going to be a, a great football player, but could certainly learn the game in a way that could make him a great coach or a good coach. I don't know, maybe he's great. We'll find out. And he's he's implementing things on offense that aren't just the Mike Shanahan zone blocking run scheme. Right? It's not it's not just that particular, you know, West Coast offense. It's uh, an amalgamation of all of these different offenses that he's been able to see throughout his years in the NFL. And so they have, like we've said, the ability to, they're like a chameleon on offense. They're, they're able to blend in. They're able to adapt to whatever game situation they find themselves in, which is why they're able to win tough games against teams like Seattle when Seattle played them very tough in both of their games and then just beat up on teams like the Packers. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things where if there is a team in the NFL that is designed to give Kansas City fits, uh, it's probably the San Francisco 49ers. I, I don't know if that means that they're going to. Uh, what they did to the Packers was, was I think Jeff posted in, in Slack, he said it was embarrassing for the Packers. Uh, it it was kind of embarrassing for the Packers. And that's that's something that I hope that we're talking about how it's embarrassing for the Chiefs in a couple weeks. And that's... Going. Absolutely. Because as I told you before we started recording, yes, we lost the ability to tell the Lamar Hunt jokes, but there's also the ability to see the Chiefs lose their first Super Bowl in 50 years, but also become the team that loses in the most lopsided fashion to the team that did it to the Broncos in the Super Bowl we didn't watch. Right. I, I actually did not watch that Super Bowl, and I remember very vividly as a kid. Now, let's, let's kind of go back to this a little bit. 55-10, to 10, the Broncos lose to the San Francisco 49ers. I hate to bring up the number, but i got to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about here. Uh, you said Super Bowl 24, is that right? Uh, I don't remember the number because, again, we didn't watch it. 
we as as a family, my 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 dad and my uncle said we're not watching this game, and we all went and saw the movie called The Bear, and it was about a a bear, as I recall, and it was like a a real bear, and it I think it became friends with a person or something. I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. I don't remember. I in fact I probably remember the movie a lot less than I remember the game just from all the clips I have seen of that game, which are all negative, negative for the Broncos. Clips. Yeah. What's also fascinating about that is the Broncos entered with the number one offense in football that year with John Elway. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers in the in the late 80s early 90s. That team was that team was really good. It was one of the best teams in the history of the NFL. So, I I know numbers wise, I and mean, I think that's one of the things that we always get into about stats and numbers. They they really only tell a very small part of the story. If the, if the Denver Broncos had the best offense in the NFL that year, I, I believe the 49ers had the best defense in the NFL that year, and it sort of proved out that the best defense won that game. I, apparently, at least at least that's what they tell me. They tell me the score was as lopsided as you say it was. We're not going to get into any of the predictions and talking about that Super Bowl since it's two weeks off. Two weeks. It's way too long. But what we can do is we we talked about how it felt like we got punched in the nuts because of the Chiefs winning this game against the Titans. But then you get the stadium sponsor for the Broncos, Empower Retirement, just having – no forethought or ability to think about their customer base. I mean, I, I totally get it and we'll get into what they did, but they have empower does have a partnership with the chiefs. I totally get that. But your, your name is on the stadium of the chiefs rival. And for those who didn't see it, they actually tweeted out uh, a way to go chiefs, two. ridiculous nonsense. Two. tweet. Two tweets. It's two tweets. And and here's the thing. And you might be thinking I'm saying it's two tweets. It's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. This is a huge deal. Business-wise, this is a screw-up. I, I, I cannot believe that Joe Ellis messed this up so badly. You signed a deal with, with another company and didn't have exclusivity rights, didn't have anything in the contract that said that they couldn't uh, you, you know, make comments about other teams. They are allowed to congratulate your biggest rival or one of your biggest rivals on their victory. And the, this is stupidity in a business sense on the part of Joe Ellis and the Denver Broncos. And I think we all know that Joe Ellis and the business side is different than John Elway and the football side, or at least that's what they want you to believe. And this is just idiocy. It's moronic. It is impressively stupid that the the guy who says that the business side needs to be doing better signed a deal with this empower whoever gives a crap and they they immediately after the AFC championship game tweet out congratulations to the chiefs what what's going on what are, what are you doing and and i put this squarely at the feet of joe ellis and his stupidity and just awful business acumen I think it shows ineptitude and it shows that whatever he could have possibly learned from Pat Bolin, he didn't. 
because yeah, he they, this is uh, it's an abomination to have your stadium sponsor tweeting out a congratulatory tweet to your biggest rival. That's being punched in the nuts by your biggest rival winning. And then the stadium sponsor for the team you rooting for slapping you across the face after it's over. So think about it in these terms. Imagine if last year after the Super Bowl, MetLife tweeted out a congratulations to Tom Brady and the Patriots and Bill Belichick and all of the, the Patriots and winning the Super Bowl. MetLife. The name of the stadium where both the the Jets and the Giants play, MetLife Stadium, and MetLife tweets a, a congratulations to the Patriots. Imagine the uproar that you would hear from the world because it would have happened in New York, obviously, or New Jersey, I guess. That that's how that's how stupid this is. That's how dumb this is for your. For, for your name for the it's it's on your stadium it's my it's mile high stadium i we agree we i don't call it whatever else it is it's supposed to be it's mile high stadium but it the name on your stadium apparently is empower field or whatever empowered to do what root for the biggest rival this is just i i just cannot understand this kind of stupidity and it, it might seem like small potatoes to some and some will say, why are we going on about this? I think it, it it shows a complete lack of business sense from the guy who is running the business side of the Broncos. I mean, it took him four years to get a stadium sponsor in the first place. And the one he does get, he can't get exclusivity. He can't make sure that they don't have any other partnerships with any other team. He's that desperate to get a sponsor that he can't possibly negotiate exclusivity rights. Did he even think of that when he brought on Empower? Or was it just, we're so desperate to get a local business? I had never heard of Empower Retirement before this stadium deal. I'm definitely not going to consider Empower to empower my retirement now. It's bad. It's bad. And, and and the worst part about it all is if you look at what's going on on the business side for the Denver Broncos, and, and I understand that a lot of fans don't care. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to, to get in to see the, the family feud, which doesn't really seem like a feud so much as it's Joe it's not a family feud doing everything it, he can to maintain power. Like I, I, I know that a lot of people are listening to this going, I don't care. Just put a good product on the field because I want my team to win. This is – this is a part of that. This is a part of that in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways is if, if the business side can't do things the way that they're supposed to, and they end up having to sell the team to another family, then that opens the door for the Denver Broncos to no longer be the Denver Broncos. That opens the door for them to leave, to go somewhere that's willing to build them a new stadium or to, uh, to take their franchise and move it to Canada, which is something that the Bolins had have considered Pat Bolin being uh, from Canada uh, has always considered moving a team to or having a team in Canada sort of like a goal for him and so th- this is this should be something that Denver Bronco fans are concerned about Broncos country needs to recognize that 
this type of of poor decision making on the business side it leaks over into the football side it it makes a difference in ways that you maybe don't understand when you're looking at things that you maybe don't get because you're not a, a business person i'm not a business person per se but you you know it's it's one of those things where it it matters unfortunately it matters and the thing that ties all this together and we haven't dived into the ownership mess and the battles between the trust and Beth Bolin Wallace and Amy Kimmer, the oldest daughter of Pat Bolin. But this, this is going to be a very, 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 very important week in this court case because it's discovery week in this lawsuit. Beth Bolin and Amy are going to have to put their cards on the table and show what they have. And I think I've said this on the radio bit that I do on ESPN 1600 and Denver Clark Company. I think it's going to cause people to take a step back and gasp at what they have because this is going to be a massive week for discovery. And I don't think the trust has any idea what's coming. And while they've negotiated this ridiculous contract with a completely oblivious company and empower that tweets out a congratulatory tweet to the biggest rival for the team you're sponsoring their stadium. I, I just keep an eye on the news this week for the discovery aspects of this lawsuit between Beth Bowen Wallace, her sister, Amy against the trust. It's, it's going to be a big week. Um, but at the very least, at least we're all Niners fans now. Go Niners. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.